Today is 21st of July 2017 and we are in Kalliola, Finland and my name is Heikki Pekkarinen and our subject is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. We do a lot of reading from the Bible so have your Bibles ready, the one with I should just wait because we have so many languages that you use only one language Bible, what, whatever it is that you want to stick with, because otherwise it's going to be you. You will easily get lost. We are ready to start with the introduction. On page two of your note, I have John one twenty nine. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." which taketh away the sin of the world. And then first Peter 1, 17 to 19. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot so in both places John and Peter the word lamb is the Greek word amnos that means lamb that's exactly what it means but it is mostly used about Jesus Christ because of these verses then in 1 Corinthians 5 7 it says Birds are therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So the word Passover is Pasha, that means passing over originally. But that is also used about the Passover meal, as well as the Passover lamb. And therefore the context determines what its meaning is. And in this verse it has the meaning of the lamb, Passover lamb. It goes along with the two other places before it. So now we will begin to research the last days of the life of Jesus Christ on earth. Our goal is to get an overall picture of what happened. But our goal is also to understand what Jesus Christ did in order to earn that which we have received as a gift. So that life that we now have, availability to walk with the Father, we have that because Jesus Christ died and he earned it for us. And now I really deeply feel that we need to know what he did in order to earn that. What was his work like? For example, we have four Gospels and the time period beginning six days before the Passover, unto his death, or if we can say unto his resurrection about. In Matthew days 27 chapters, Mark 16, Luke 24 and John 21. They are altogether 89 chapters. Out of these 89 chapters in the Gospels, 27 chapters or more are dealing with that time period. Six days before Passover until his resurrection. So that is a humongous amount of information of 
so little amount of time, about 10 days. So there's a message from God. He wants us to know what happened those days. Of course, he wants us to know what happens in all the other days during Gospels too. But this is extended amount of information on so little amount of time. Therefore, that's like a figure of speech just telling us that that stuff is important. You need to know these things. So we will look at the events in chronological order up under the records regarding the receiving of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So let's look in Acts 16 beginning with verse 11. See, because whenever you open the Bible and you read it and you study it, you make word studies and you want to understand, then the understanding of the Bible doesn't come from your work as such or even the book as such. The understanding comes from God. God has arranged it so that we have Jesus Christ in us, in our heart. So when we read the Bible and we study it and we ask God, then Jesus Christ will open up our understanding. So let's read Acts 16 and what I have, verses 11 through 15. Elizabeth, could you read? Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Thanks. So in verse 14 it said, Whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. The Lord opened the heart. And the result was that she understood. Next let's go to Luke chapter 24. And I read verses 31 and 32. And their eyes were open. They are Two men mentioned in verse 13, and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. So about seven miles, 11.5 kilometers. These two fellows and Jesus Christ came to talk with them. And verse 31 it says, and their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Jesus Christ opened the scriptures to them at that time, after his resurrection. He will do the same to us when we desire. But you need to read the scriptures first. He doesn't open the scriptures without the scripture. There is nothing to open if you don't have the scripture. 
All right, then we go to verse 44 and 45. And he said, Jesus Christ said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. So this is the main principle of Bible reading and Bible researching. That you pray to God and Jesus Christ opens up your understanding. Because he is in us. Now, while we continue to read these places, you will see what kind of a man Jesus Christ was when he was up on the earth. And he himself said that who has seen him has seen the Father. It means that he was not the Father. But it means that the Father is so like him, or he was so like the Father, that when you had seen him, then you had seen the Father. And yet he was a man like us, human being, with a body, and his existence began when he was born. He was not before that spiritually or physically existent. He was existent only in God's plan, in his foreknowledge. So when he was born, he was born like a human being, like everyone of us has been born. And he was very much the same as Adam. Because in 1 Corinthians 15 it says that he is the second Adam. First Adam was the Adam God created, and second Adam is Jesus Christ. First Adam came first, second Adam came last. So same kind of man like Adam. Adam must have been absolutely fantastic man, incredible. If he would play the cello, he would have been more than the Rasupovich and all the others together. If he played the violin, he would have been more than Yaskahev. If he did anything, he would have been the best at it. Same Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was like him. The only difference between them is that Jesus Christ didn't turn his back to the Father. By the freedom of his will, he went through. All the way through the record you can see he had that freedom of will to say to the Father, I can't do this, I don't want to do this. And God would have sent 12 legions of angels to take him away from there. But he didn't do that. He asked Peter for him, how can I do that? If I do that then how is God's plan going to be fulfilled? He wanted to so badly fail God's plan that he did it. And he did it out of love. He so loved that he went through that incredible torture all the way through for us and many people many Christians in this world don't understand what he did and that's the reason we started to study this that we would understand so we can continue the notes first we will clarify the time of the death of Jesus because it is a time post from which we can count forward and backward in order to learn what happened on each day it happens to be that the time of his death can be researched and once we find it then we can count backwards and forwards and see what happened on the other days before and after in order to do this we need to learn some facts regarding the Jewish feasts and the reckoning of time then we can just read the records and let the story build up so do you understand the story build up means that about similar or the same identical situation there are different records like four gospels about his crucifying four gospels give a different record of it but the truth is the sum of them 
none of them is by itself the whole truth all those four records together bring the truth so we need to learn to read bible like that and first the jewish feasts and the reckoning of time because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God and the Passover Lamb which was sacrificed for us, the events regarding his death are linked together with the Passover celebrations of the Jews. And I have in the notes Exodus 23, 14-17. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month Abib, for in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year all thy males shall appear before the Lord. God. And on the next page I have Deuteronomy 16. 16, those three feasts mentioned once more. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. In the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Empty means they have to have offerings when they go there. And then I had these boxes about these feasts in the first highest line horizontally there is the name of the feast then reference in the book of Moses the Bible place then the time of the feast what time of the year then the harvest which was celebrated and then the events which were commemorated which was commemorated and the future event it was illustrating these categories are there. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There are two kinds of bread in Gospels you can find in this context. When they eat bread, it was either leavened or unleavened. And the leavened bread is artos, we come to it later, and the unleavened bread is azumos. However, the references are there, beginning with Exodus 12 and so far. And then the time, in the spring, the days 15 through 21 of Nisan, seven day feast. And Nisan is the name of the first month. And uh, its original name was Abib. And in the book of Esther it was changed into Nisan. Therefore, because at that time they used the word Nisan, we use it also. The harvest which was celebrated is barley harvest. And the event which was commemorated was departure from Egypt. And the future event which was illustrated is the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the first fruit of the dead. That is all about unleavened bread. The next feast was the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest or Pentecost. And the time was in summer, in the third month on Sunday, on one day. And the day, the Sunday was supposed to be between the 6th and the 12th on the month Sivan or Sivan. And the harvest was wheat harvest, and the event was commemorated event was slavery in Egypt and giving the law on the Mount of Sinai. And the future event which was illustrated was the shedding of the Holy Spirit as the first fruit on Pentecost. 
And the last one, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Ingathering. In the fall, the seventh month, days 15 to 21, like Passover uh, or the Unleavened Bread Feast, Seven Day Feast. And then at that time of the year, all the harvest at the end of the year, and event which was commemorated was living in the tabernacles during the sojourning in the wilderness and God's care of them. And the future event which was illustrated was the resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous as ingathering at the end of the world. So this gives kind of a structure where everything falls in, in God's plan. So the first month of the year was originally the month of Abib, like it's called in Genesis 12, 2 and 13, 4. Later in the book of Esther, as I said, it got a new name, the month of Nisan. Ever since that time it has been the name of the first month. We will use this name because it was used during the time of the Gospel. And there it says in Esther 3.7, in the first month that is the month of Nisan. And ever since that verse it has been called Nisan. Then the Jewish day started at sunset and lasted until the next sunset. And this is the reason I had those uh, boards, or how do you call them, pictures, ancient ones, they are over 30 years old. I just uh, did some translating with them. Is that you can look at them during the other times and just practice your mind to think that the day in their time started at sunset, not by midnight like with us. Therefore the day went from sunset till sunset. And the daylight portion of the day was divided into 12 equally long periods of hours. Some people have thought that the night as well, but that's not true. Night hours were only the watch hours. We come to them later. However, the daylight was divided in 12 equally long portions. In John 11:9, it says, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. When the day was the longest at midsummer, it was 14 hours and 12 minutes in Israel. And when the day was the shortest in midwinter, it was 9 hours and 48 minutes. Therefore, the hour during the midsummer was 71 minutes long, and during the midwinter, it was 49 minutes long. And at the end, of the sixth hour was noon, that's 12 o'clock our time. The end of the third hour was right between the sunrise and noon, so from morning 6 until 12. The third hour was around 9 o'clock. The end of the ninth hour was right in between noon and sunset, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So, during the Passover time in the spring, the hour was about 60 minutes long, so the sun rose at 6 a.m. and went down at 6 p.m., we can think. That makes it easier for us. So, and then on the next page, page 4, I have this picture that is on the walls. The Finnish words Päivä and Yö. Päivä stands for day and Yö stands for night. I didn't want to scratch them out because they were in the middle of the picture. But you understand what it means, so Paiva is day and night is Yö, is night. Like in Leviticus 23, 27 and 32, it says that 
from even unto even, thou shalt keep this Sabbath, this holy convocation day. So, their time, their day started at even by sunset and finished at even by sunset. Then about the weekly days, only the weekly Sabbath had a name and the name was Sabbath. The other days of the week had no names. They were called the first after the Sabbath, the second after the Sabbath, etc. Like Sunday is the first day after Sabbath. Almost every time it is mentioned there. And the Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. That was the weekly Sabbath. Now the night watches. During the Old Testament times the night was divided into three equally long watch hours and during the Roman times into four equally long watch hours. In Psalm 63 it says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. So he just is referring to the night watches. And then in Mark 13.35 in the Roman time it was, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Four watches, so three hour long watches in the Roman time, and four hour long watches in the Old Testament time. So let's now look at what instructions we can find regarding the Passover, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the Book of Moses. And on the next page, page five, you have that, you can turn it like that, and you can use that later, you can make photocopies out of it, or we, you can use that and write in there, as we study this, or uh, as you study it yourself later, you can write in the boxes the references regarding each day, or the events regarding it, whatever you want to write in there so that you can study it later or you, or you can keep it then with yourself and if you need to teach somebody you can then teach tell them what happened so now we read Exodus 12 1 through 6 so Elizabeth can you read and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month shall be unto you the beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The words in the evening are literally between the evenings in Hebrew. This has been interpreted to mean the time which begins when the sun begins to go down at noon and ends 
when the sun goes behind the horizon. However, this is the time during the afternoon before sunset. This describes the time at which the Passover lamb had to be killed. According to Josephus, the historian, during the first century, the common practice was to kill the Passover lamb during the ninth hour, which is about 3 p.m. our time. So, there it said uh, two dates. I mean, first of all, this period from the beginning, from the 1st of Nisan until the 14th of Nisan, was the preparation period. They prepared for the Passover meal. Anything that they needed to do, they did during that time. They arranged the place where they would do it. They arranged the food. They made sure that they would have unleavened bread there. And then on the 10th of Nisan, the Passover lamb had to be chosen. And then on the 14th, the last day before the feast, it was supposed to be killed at night and then eaten. And in Leviticus 23.5 it says, In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. So, fourteenth day was the last preparation day and at the evening when the day was changing in the fifteenth, that's when the Passover meal started. Now, Elizabeth, can you continue from verse 7 until 20 in Exodus 12? And they, they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night roasted with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And on the first day there shall be an holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, 
For in this selfsame day that I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt, therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance for ever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at evening. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. All right, let's repeat verse 11. It says, And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Four stipulations. So, if you think that Jesus Christ would have eaten this Passover meal, then how would he have eaten it? He would have eaten it like this, right? So, when you have your loins girded, shoes on your feet, and staff in your hand, are you lying down or sitting or standing? They were standing when they ate it, and they ate it in haste. It's very good to remember this, because when we come to the Last Supper, many believers think that it, that it was Passover meal that they ate. But it absolutely cannot be a Passover meal. It was just a regular supper. But now, there's something else important to do. We need to go to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23 and verse 27. Can you read from Elizabeth from 27 through 32? Also on the tenth day of this seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you. And ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work on that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. Ye shall do no manner of work, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls. In the ninth day of the month at evening, from even unto even, ye shall celebrate your Sabbath. So, here is the first place where it is called Sabbath. So, Sabbath actually means the weekly holiday. But now, they gave that name or God gave that name for this kind of a celebration day in the beginning of the feast and at the, and at the end of the feast. It's very clearly demonstrated here that Sabbath can mean such a day too, like verse 39. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. Sabbath was used about both. Let's look this Numbers 28 also. Uh, numbers 28, 16 to 18. And in the fourteenth day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. The fourteenth day, the Passover means the Passover lamb was to be killed. That's what it means that the Passover is 
verse 17, and in the fifteenth day of this month is their feast, seven days that shall unleavened bread be and eaten. In the first day shall be an holy convocation. The first day was the fifteenth day. First day of the unleavened bread was the fifteenth day. Shall be an unholy convocation, ye shall do no manner of servile work therein. So that is pretty clearly explained that the 15th of Nisan was a Sabbath, as well as a weekly Sabbath would be a Sabbath. Then there are other places you can look later if you like. We continue my notes. The Passover lamb was eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs on the 15th of Nisan, after sunset and before midnight, because at that time God smote the firstborn of the Egyptians. The 15th of Nisan was a special Sabbath day, which was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now it is very important to remember that they had two kinds of Sabbath days. They had the weekly Sabbath, which is our Saturday. This was every week on the Saturday. Then they had special days of Holy Convocation. These days were also called a Sabbath. They were on a certain day of the month. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the 15th of Nisan and the 21st of Nisan were these kinds of special Sabbath days. It is like Christmas Day in our culture. It is always on the 25th of December and it, it is a bank holiday, no matter what day of the week it is. It can be Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, whatever it is. And every time when it falls on Sunday, everybody cries because Christmas vacation is so short. It should be at least on Friday or on Tuesday to make it worthwhile. Because Jesus was the Lamb of God and our Passover Lamb, he had to die on the last day of the preparation for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the 14th of Nisan, between the evenings, which is the ninth hour, about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And in Deuteronomy, there is one more instruction about the place where the Passover Lamb should be killed. It says in Deuteronomy 16, 5 and 6, Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Not in the cities, so outside of the gates. But at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there shalt thou sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. We know now that the place God chose is Jerusalem to place his name. So the Passover lamb had to be killed outside of the gates of Jerusalem. Now we have the place and we have the date. When we continue about the time of the death of Jesus, then in the book of Matthew, there is some information which helps us to find the day of the week on which Jesus died. It's Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In the heart of the earth, everybody understands, means to be buried in the ground. And three days and three nights are three complete sections of 24 hours, 72 hours altogether. Okay, according to tradition, Jesus died on Good Friday, 
and rose up on Easter Sunday. That means Friday evening, Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday evening, Sunday morning. Only two nights and one day. Cannot be. Tradition cannot be right. It says in Matthew 27, 46 and 50, and about the ninth hour, Jesus Christ, ninth hour is about three o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus Christ with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. So he died. And in the Gospel of John, there is even more information which helps us to determine the day on which Jesus Christ died. John 19, verses 30 and 31. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And now we're going to take a little break.